0: abundance so the bible says he who has will be given much and furnished in abundance and he who has not even what he has and in luke it it actually gives you the word it says even what he seems to have will be taken okay and i want to i guess i'll hurry through this because we don't have much time but um I want to share something with you. Psalm 103.7 says this. It says, The Lord made his ways known to Moses. He made his ways known to Moses. Um, now, he didn't, when, it's, when it says that, it, it doesn't mean that Moses knew God spiritually. It just means that Moses knew what God wanted. The law, therefore, is what God wanted. Does that make sense? Thou shalt not steal. Love the Lord your God with all thy heart, you know, all of these things, right? This is what he wanted. Amen. And it became it was already apparent to God before he even made us that we would be imperfect at keeping it. But that's what he wanted. So stay with me on this. I'm going to go to John 15:10 real quick. I want you to see this. This is what Jesus told his disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. I wish, I guess we would all get up, especially me, in the morning and say, God, thank you for loving me as much as you love Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for loving me just like the Father loved you. Because the Father would have done anything for him. Amen. And so then he says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments... You'll abide in my love. Now, that's Jesus. Understand, Jesus is talking to us. We, you realize that you can go directly to God, but there's an order that allows us to be able to do it. And it's our unity in Christ as the mediator between us and God allows us to be able to go directly to God, right? And when Bill goes to God, Bill is going to God. But God hears from Christ, When Lee goes to God, Lee's not righteous on his own to go to God. Lee's righteous through Christ to go to God. Amen? So it's the part of me that's the body of Christ that makes me worthy that the heaven would be open. It's nothing to do with me. It's, been, it's a grace given to me because I believe in the system that God put in place. Amen? Amen? Makes sense. Jesus is talking about this system right here. Look at what He says: "Just as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. The Father loved the Son, eh, hey? and the Son, the same way, loves us. That's the hierarchy. You see what He's saying? Just as the fathers loved me, I've loved you. Everything the Father would do for me, I'll do for you. Amen." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Where do our commandments come from? This is a problem with people who try to keep the law today. They don't understand how this stuff works. They try to be righteous by the law. But there was a man that was righteous by the law. His name was Jesus. Our commands from him are not the same as his commands from the Father. Commands. I'm not saying that what God wants has changed because it hasn't. The law was always what he wanted, but we weren't, ad- we weren't able to keep it. So Jesus fulfilled the law for us, and now he's put a simple command on us that we must keep to be in his love or to abide in his love. Amen. Right? And this is all laid out right here. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. Huh? Just as I have kept my Father's commands, that's the law, and I abide in his love. So Jesus kept the law and abided in the Father's love, and if you keep Jesus' command, you abide in that same amount of love. Amen. And what is Jesus' command? Verse 17. You ready? These things I command you that you love one another. To abide in Christ, we have to love him and love one another. That's his command. And I've said it before, I'll say it real quick just so we make sure. It's the most beautiful thing in the world because now, people that want today to try to have Christ and the law, it's really interesting because it's very clear whether you keep the law or not. Thou shalt not covet. If you covet, you broke it. (laughs) Right? Amen? Honor thy father and thy mother. If you ever say anything that's dishonorable, do anything that's dishonorable against your father and your mother, you broke it. Right? Now, Jesus is is beautiful because he says, Love one another. Now, how do you know if you've loved or not? How are you perfect in love? You really don't. You really don't. It's the heart attempt to love that he looks at. It's not that you carry it through in the flesh. The law was saying you have to carry it through. See, they're both the same thing. You won't covet if you love somebody. You won't covet what they have, right? But you're having to work it out in the flesh and be perfect in it. With Jesus, he's saying, let the heart be pure. You, remember we talked about in First Corinthians where it says, you have believed from the heart this gospel, the heart. And he, so he's looking at the heart, right? You may not be able to carry it through always 100%. So Jesus is not judging what you do. He's judging who you are. And the good news is he's re- remade you into who you are. So he knows you're good, right? Good in terms of righteous. Amen? Amen. All right. So. This is what I want to say. Stay with me on this. If Jesus... Well, let me say this. Jesus received everything that a person can receive from the Father. Right? Believe, believe it? Amen? Amen? Okay, and that was the ways that were shown to Moses, because that's the law. That's what was shown to Moses, right? So if Jesus kept Moses' ways, and we're in Christ, that means as far as God's concerned, we've kept Moses' ways. And if that was good enough so that all blessing would be given to Jesus, then that's good enough that all blessing will be given to us. Amen? You with me? I'm trying to speed it up. Now, in Isaiah 53, towards the end of that verse, it says, because Jesus gave up his life, he was divided a portion. He was divided a portion with the strong. Okay? And it says he took his, divorce, his portion, he's divided it with us. Amen? So I say all this to say, you are, if you are born again, a have any time you begin to say I am not a have you are leaving Christ and believing something else now stay with me on this how many of you have ever seen a recipe and thought it looked pretty good and went home and made it raise your hand if you've ever done that Seen a recipe, thought it looked pretty good. Why'd you believe it? Sorry? Yeah. What I mean, but if you just saw the words on the page, what made you believe it? It's the power of words. It's the power of words. Your dog does not respond to words, folks. The written word means nothing to your dog. He walked by that piece of paper and think, huh, what's that? Keep right on going. They speak to each other, animals speak to each other, and it's mostly noises and intonations and things. Right? I'm mad. <laughs> you could have figured that out whether you speak my language or not. Right? Words mean something to us. It's the power of words. The reason you went home is because you read that recipe. Let me suggest this to you. You read it. You saw what was in it. Because of the power of the words, your mind made a picture, and you knew that it would be good. You had reason to believe it would be good. Am I right? The power of word. Now, God has done everything on the earth through his word. Word. How come you won't believe his recipes? It's such a shame and an embarrassing commentary for the church that he has said we are haves and we continually say, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. He's given you a recipe and you don't think it's good. He's given us a recipe so many times we don't believe that what he's given us is good. We don't believe we have. You know? And because of the power of words, when we confess that we are a have-not, we literally become a have-not. Because what you speak, you shall have. Believe in it, right? Isn't that something? So think about this with me. Isaiah fifty-three one says this. And it's really, I guess, a question, it's obvious. You don't really have to answer this question. You can almost look and see. But this is what it says. Who has believed our report? The prophet's asking. And the Lord is saying, who has believed our report? Do you know what the report of the Lord is? Oh, yeah. Right. He says, I'm your provider. Anything you need, I'll take care of you. That's the report of the Lord. And you say, but I was sick. And he said, but Christ bore your sickness. You say, but I was broke. And he said, but he's come to preach good news to the poor. You say, but I'm bound. And he said, he's come to, take the, to unshackle those who are bound. Right? This is Jesus' mission statement in Luke four sixteen. Everything right down the line is an answer to our problems. So what's the report of the Lord? You're no longer broke. You're no longer sick. You're no longer, All the things that were against you. And yet we still declare that we are have-nots. We've not believed the report of the Lord. Right? But you'll believe a recipe. You'll go home and make lasagna based on, oh, this looks good. This looks good. I can't understand why preachers won't preach what the Bible says about money and about healing and about because it looks good. But they'll go home and tell their wife, oh, that recipe looks good. But they won't say, right here it says God will supply me every need. That looks good. They won't say it looks good. They'll give some person credit for their homemade ice cream recipe and not give God credit for all these things that look good. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I think, verse 20, for every good blessing of God is yes in Christ Jesus. That looks good. That looks good. We should talk about that. Every blessing of God is yes in Christ. Oh, that looks good. We ought to spend weeks on that, right? We ought to actually believe that recipe. If we believe that recipe and begin to declare that recipe, boy, that thing looks good. Let me tell you what. It becomes good. It becomes good, right? Yeah, it does. It's interesting. Anyway, in verse 12 of Isaiah 53, this is where he says it. It says, it pleased the Lord to bruise Christ and all these things. And it talks about Jesus being willing to die and be bruised for us. Verse 12, it says, the Lord says, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. That makes it sound like somebody is just as great as Jesus. Because it says, I'll divide him a portion with the great. Now, can you figure that out? How can somebody be just as great as Jesus? I'll divide him a portion with the great. Because it's not Jesus' blessing he he came to fight for, folks. It's Abraham's. Jesus already had what the Lord has, what he needs. He's down here fighting for what to get back what he gave us that we lost. And it was first really covenanted through Abraham. So he's given a portion with Abraham. And what does Galatians say? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ. It might come on us through Christ. It's our portion. And look what it says. Of his portion, this is what it says. I'll divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil. How many of you know in Ephesians it says when he ascended on high? He took captivity captive, led captives in his train, and gave gifts to men. See, he took back everything that was lost, right? And it says he'll divide the spoil. Everything he gained through this victory over Satan, he divides with us. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Not the cowards, A strong is a have. A have not is not strong. God does not honor that. If you're not the strong and you can't read what it says and believe it's yours, you don't have it. Right? You don't have it. I always wondered, and I'll tell you this before, it shocked me when you'd read um, who will inherit the kingdom of God? And you're reading this fornicators and, the, you know, all this stuff, and you go down through there, the thieves and the drunkards and everything, you go down through there, and then it says the cowards. Now that one ought to shock a lot of people in churches today because there's a lot of cowards sitting in churches that won't stand on the Word of God. And it clearly says in Scripture the cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it clearly says here that he divides the spoils with the strong not the cowards, right? The cowards are the ones that want everything God has for them but don't want to stand up for anything for him. We were talking about that a little earlier today, today right? Amen. They're fooling themselves. They're getting everything they get through the world. They're getting everything they get through the world. It just looks good because they're mixed in with us. It all shakes down, though, in the end. It all shakes down in the end, you know? Amen. With me? Alright, so we're we're basically done. Last man I want to talk to you about, and, and, and this is what well I guess we'll see Luke 8, eight eight eighteen and then we'll just talk for a second. Luke eight eighteen You guys know Luke? You will Yeah, me too. Therefore take heed how you hear for what for whoever has to him more will be given and whoever does not have even what he seems to have you see there's some seems to haves out there in the church even what he seems to have will be taken from him and you know, a lot of times you you go down the road of life 10 years with a group of Christians or 15 years you begin to see some of the seems to have start having issues right it's not necessarily the next day. Sometimes it's 20 years down the road. But the seams to have, the wheels start coming off. And this is what I want to explain to you. If you ever want to see this happen in the Bible, you can read about it in Job. A lot of people don't understand Job. Job's real simple. He was a have. But he became a have-not because he began to trust in what he was given instead of the giver. Right? And, and it, it's really interesting because then what he seemed to have was taken from him. Even what he seemed to have. Now, he seemed to have gotten it all from God. And by the way, he did. But the reason it said he seemed to have it, because if you're a have, you, you retain it. But if you're a have-not, what you have is taken right yeah you can read about it. if you read the if you if you understand how to look at job and read it, see people just they god takes away god didn't take a thing away from job if you read that book you find out what a lie that is it's it's a total lie god never touched job satan took everything away from job job and his friends they were mistaken They were mistaken. It's shocking how many times theologians quote Job for their theology and they miss the whole thing that Job was wrong in what he said. You're quoting him like he was right. He didn't understand. He repented at the end of the the book, chapter 42. He said, I was wrong. I spoke about things I did not understand. Then God restored him. And they quote Job. Job in their scriptures, in their theology, like he's right. Job was wrong. That's one of those times, it amazes me, guys, how many theologians with all these degrees after their name quote the Bible without realizing whether the person that said it could have been right or wrong in what they were saying. You know, God gives us a record. He doesn't say everything spoken in the Bible is right. He just gives us a record of what was said so we can understand how people live their mistakes as well as their great things that they do, right? Amen? It's amazing. It's amazing. I would I liken Job's life and the way he lived to the sovereignty people, and the sovereignty people use Job. If you look at a lot of the times they use Job, well, how do you deal with this? I'll tell you, it's real simple. Job was wrong. I don't have to deal with it. And you're just as wrong as he is if you believe it. It's simple. Think about it for a minute. Job was blessed by God. I don't have time to go into this today, so let's just make it quick. Job's three, three, three friends, after he lost everything, came to comfort him. If you've ever read Job, they came to comfort him, right? They were telling him why he was wrong and this and that and this and that, right? All right, here's the thing they all say. nobody. I want to tell you one thing right now. The only time Satan's ever mentioned, In this whole book of Job, is when we're given the spiritual insight that Satan presented himself before God and Satan asked for the right to touch Job. Job never mentions Satan. That's his mistake. Job thinks everything is dependent on God sovereignty. Job thinks everything is dependent on God, both the good and the bad. That's a mistake. Because we know there's an adversary. If God's going to take care of you, why does he tell you about the adversary? If it's totally on him, you'd be just like Job. When bad stuff happens, you'd be like, God's doing it. When good stuff happens, you say, God's doing it, right? And that's what Job did every time. Job was so wrong, so wrong, so wrong, so many times. It's just funny when you read it. Uh, one time he said, oh, the arrows of the Lord are piercing me. And people have quoted that. And they couldn't be more wrong because the arrows of the Lord never pierced Job. And then he said, The Lord won't turn his anger away from me. And Job was wrong because the Lord never got angry with Job. Yeah. The Lord upheld Job even in Job's failure. Have you, hey, my servant Job, who's righteous in all the things and da 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 da, right? And Job was wrong in his quote that we quote in songs and we sing all the time. We sing this stuff and we say this stuff like have-nots, like Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The Lord didn't take anything from Job. It's a lie. And we quote it in church. We use it to build theology. It's a lie. Look at the story. Satan came to tempt Job. Satan took from Job. The Lord's taken away. Lord ain't took nothing away. The Lord, all, the Lord looked at the devil and said, "You're righteous. You're, you're, you you're without. You, you're great." That's what the Lord basically said in a nutshell about Job. But the Lord had to let him touch him. No, that's what people miss it. Lord had to let him touch Job. Now, what I mean is, how did the devil get to access Job? Yeah, Job let him. Job operated in fear. He says, it'd be, what, in the chapter 4, he says, the thing I feared the most, greatly the most, has come upon me. Right? What was he fearing? What he had to fear about? What did he have to fear about? Losing what he had. So in his heart, he was already a have not. He had become a have not. He was worried about the stuff. If you read chapter 29, Job tells you exactly what his heart was thinking. He loved his seat in the high places. He loved when he could sit down and the people would come talk to him and he could give them wisdom. He loved all the things God had given him, but he quit loving the one who gave them. He was looking for all his reward for his answers, and he had quit believing in the one that gave it to him to start with. Not totally believing, but, I mean, his focus had become who he was. He even starts saying, I would prolong myself. I would live long in my nest. I would do this. I would do that. He goes on in the name. All these things just going down through there. Because God had taken him up so high, he began to look at who he was as his reward and not the Lord as his reward. Right? So he became a have not. And What do we know about have-nots? Even what they seem to have shall be taken from them because who could amen because the adversary comes to steal kill and destroy not god job was wrong he was just totally wrong about the whole thing he did not understand and you know he confesses that in chapter 42 he says he says i've spoken of things that were too great for me things i didn't understand please forgive me and at that moment you know what it says the lord then accepted job you know what that word for accepted in Hebrew is? NASA. You ever heard of NASA? What are we trying to do? Lift up. NASA means to lift up, to carry, or to bear. At that moment when Job confessed, he repented. He said, I've been saying all this. I've been giving all this wisdom. I've been believing something else. I've been sitting here stating my righteous case, and all the time I was focused on the things and not you, God. I had fear in my heart that I might lose the things you've given me and I wasn't even worried that I might lose my relationship with you. Right? And it says that the moment he he repented the Lord lifted him up. Again. And what happened? First he had 7,000 camels I think it was or whatever it was. The second time what did he get? 14,000. Now I'll lay down I can't prove this, but if we could all put $100 bills right there, I guarantee you one thing. If you had asked Job when he had 7,000 flocks and 7,000 this, that, and the other, he was so proud and happy about what God had done for him. If you just said, Job, God wants to double you. He just said, oh, ain't no way. You can't double this. I'm the most wealthy man in the East. And the Bible says he was. He was the wealthiest man in the East. Do you understand? At that point, he said, I'm, "I've arrived. I got it. I got it." And what he didn't teach his kids the law of the Lord. You know what it says about his kids? It says they they partied and drank and ate, and he was worried they might have cursed God. So he would go after they got through partying, eating, and drinking at each other's house. He'd go and sacrifice animals to cover their sin. Why didn't he just look at his kids and say, Kids, you can't live like this. God blesses you now. You can't walk away from his blessing. You know? He was so scared he might lose something. He'd become a have-not. Yeah. Amen. See, Satan was looking for that moment when Job opened up. and He said, huh, I got you now. Do you know... You have an adversary, and it's not always God doing bad stuff to you. Matter of fact, it's not God doing bad stuff to you. God has done things for your good. And when somebody comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it's the adversary. It's the adversary. But you can't act like he doesn't exist. you got to grab a hold of what God's given. you got to believe. you got to confess. you got to do. you got to have a relationship with him. I, I feel sorry for Christians that don't know about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and don't know about going further with God, and they just trust that life's going to be good until I get to heaven. I'm going to tell you, life ain't going to be good because you're just like Job. It may have been fine up till now, but one day he's going to turn his gaze on you. See, Job had lived all that time. His day never came. Satan never bothered him. He was in bliss. By the law, he had been good. He had honored the poor. He had gone to church. He had worked hard. He had done all the things that good people do. Right? And he thought that what he had was insulated because he had been good. But all the thing was, his day just hadn't come yet. And when it came, he was exposed. Right? But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. Matter of fact, that's why why it's given to us for this, right? So we would know. Some things Job said, the arrows of the Almighty are within me. The terror of God is arrayed against me, right? I mean, God will not withdraw his anger. And he he tells God, yet you would destroy me. And God hadn't done any of those things. Wasn't doing any of those things. Amen. He wasn't doing any of them. Not a single one. I want you to know that the last thing Job says is this. This is what he says. When he became a half again. Because you want to be one. I want you to. This is what he said. I've uttered what I didn't understand, things that were too wonderful for me that I didn't know. In other words, I've been talking, and I didn't know you. Right? And then he says this in verse 5, Joe 42. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. That's where most Christians are. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. He doesn't say Eyes. He says, my eye sees you. Now you've been revealed to me who you are. Right? Therefore, I abhor myself. And repent in dust and ashes. And God accepted him. The whole book of Job, he's been stating his case, how he did what was right. He didn't leave the widow in her distress. He fed the needy. He did all these things, all the things he had heard that God wanted. But when he realized how deep, how beautiful, how powerful God is, he said, oh, I'd only heard. Now I've got a revelation of your goodness, how I should have been seeking you. I abhor myself and I repent. I was so far from you and thought I was righteous. It says at that moment, Nasa. God lifted him back up. 7,000 goes to 14,000. That's why I say, if you ever see anybody in the kingdom of God that says, I got enough, I can make it, they don't understand God. Because the wealthiest man in the East was doubled when he was accepted. He was doubled when he was accepted, folks. How can you be the wealthiest man and God double you? Because that's what he does. That's who he is. And you find people that don't believe that. We're done. This is what they don't believe. You ready? The first thing that was ever told to Adam and Eve. They don't believe it. What was it? Remember? It says the Lord blessed them. And he said, Have dominion. Rule. Multiply. Have dominion. Rule and multiply. It don't involve frugality. It involves generosity. It doesn't involve staying where you are and having enough. It involves growing and multiplying. Amen. In every way. And they don't believe the first thing God ever told man. I don't want there to be a place that's not under your dominion. We have so many things as Christians in our lives that are not under our dominion At my house right now, one of the things that's bothering me is my yard is not under my dominion. It bothers me. Walk out in the yard, I say, Lord, I repent. I'm going to get this thing straight. Because it doesn't reflect you. It doesn't reflect you. And that's just one little thing. But I'm telling you, it bothers me because it bothers him because it's not under my dominion. Anything not under your dominion, guess what? It's under something else. Don't be stupid now. If it's not under your dominion, somebody else is messing with it. His name is Satan. If you ever take a day off and you don't want dominion, let me tell you, somebody else does and they're in your house. There's a little root coming up in your house. That's why he said, go, multiply, rule over the earth and have dominion. This is what he wants for his church. He wants the church to put what they've been given under their feet and walk as he walks. Live as he lives. Amen? Now, you know that's a fact. You know that's a fact. Quit giving in and saying, well, I may do that next time. If, it's, if Put it in dominion. Give it to him. Lord, I want to rule in this area. I know it's your will. I have dominion over what you've given me. I don't want to lose anything. I don't want to miss anything. Right?